Welcome to the Inside Inside Sales Podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. Join us every week as we interview industry leaders and experts to uncover the ways they're finding sales success today. Tune in as Daryl brings you actionable strategies and tactics that can immediately increase your sales and success. Good day, everybody. It's another episode of the Inside Inside Sales Show. I'm sitting here in sunny, hot, muggy, humid Canada. We And it's the weirdest thing. It's truly the weirdest thing because we have record heat. We have forest fires across Canada, northern Ontario, British Columbia, in the territories. And just the other day, I was coming home. Uh, after a very long week, which I'll explain shortly, I was, I was, I was hanging up at the cottage and I was coming home and uh, I think it was a Sunday, whatever it was. And, uh, and all you could see was this haze in the air. So where I live, Ottawa, it's a bit of a valley. So in a valley, of course, things just kind of, you know, the weather kind of gets stuck in the valley. It just hovers there for a while. So we had all this massive heat and it just wasn't moving. There's hardly any breeze. And it was a haze. And the reason it was a haze is because we're having a record number of forest fires in Canada. Even though that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away from me, it's totally affecting our, our weather quality. And in fact, it was so bad that I actually had to delay the recording of today's podcast by one day because I was hunkered down trying to avoid getting killed by a tornado. That, my friends, is the life I live up here in Canada. Daring, reckless, exciting, full of adventure. You should move to Canada. There we go. All right. I just wanted to share that with you. But, but fear not, I'm back and I'm here to talk to you because I want to I wanna share what was happening that week before that weekend where we had the weather. So the week before, we actually did something that I, it was long overdue. And I genuinely loved it. I found it exhausting. I found it stressful. I found it anxiety-inducing. I found it uh, celebratory. I found it rejoiceful. I found it exciting. What was was it I was doing? Well, you'll love this. We pulled in my whole team. So with everybody who was part of the revenue team, and it could be sales enabling, could be revenue ops, could be you know my auto close sales leadership, it could be my vanilla soft sales leadership, it could be my marketing and myself and the CEO, and we were together for the first time uh, in at least a year. And some of these people I'd never met in person; they were hired during a pandemic. So I actually got to meet my staff. Then they, they weren't on a video. It was crazy. And we came together for that mid-year review, all right? That mid-year review. What worked in Q1 and Q2? What didn't work in Q1 and Q2? And what lessons can we learn from this? And then moving forward, what do we do for Q3, Q4? We know our strategy. We know our goals. We do know our strategy and our goals, right? Which that was a whole other conversation. Just when you think you have alignment among the team, sometimes you don't have the alignment you think you have for a variety of reasons. No blame going anywhere. And so that's part of what you do, right? It's, it's kind of that you're, you're doing that whole assessment of the situation, the circumstances. And say, so, okay, with that understanding, how does that change our plans for Q3 and Q4? What do we prioritize now? You know, we started off in January thinking we were going to do X, but now here we are in the middle of the year. Maybe we need to do Y. 
Oh, it's exhausting. And everybody has an opinion. And just when I think I've got a great plan, maybe somebody in the team throws me a wrench and they raise an objection that I hadn't considered, or they raise an objection that I think is not an objection, but to them it's an objection. They said, no, I still have to deal with it, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. And you learn that you, you know, you think you all, you know, said something and set the value or set the vision or set the strategy or set the objectives clear. And then you learn that the people heard it differently. And so you have all these people influencing um, the process. They want to be heard. You want them to speak. You want to get from them the insights and the values and the knowledge that they have because, damn it, they're really good at their jobs. But it does make for a challenging time. So we did this for three days. Why do I share this? Why do I bring this up? I've already kind of reviewed what we did. When you were listening to me describe it, did it at all sound like a typical sales deal where you think you know the vision that you're trying to do with your champion, your key stakeholder, but then there's these other players who have input and sometimes they have points of view that you hadn't even factored and you thought, well, they are on lines already, so I don't need to talk to them, but suddenly you realize, damn it, I should have talked to them and now they're going to put a wrench in this whole process and this deal may never close because I didn't talk to them, because we didn't have communication, because we didn't have alignment. This happened because I, as a sales rep, dropped the ball. You see, that's what my CEO was really doing with me and my revenue team. My CEO ultimately was putting me under the gun and my direct reports because if I was doing my job with them, then we would all be in line and this would be a quick meeting. And that's why it's stressful and it's anxiety-reducing, just like a sales opportunity is. So I said to myself, well, if I went through this, well, then that's what every rep goes through. And I don't think we've ever actually sat down and talked about why reps might be losing sales. Because you think you got something, and it turns out you don't have something. It was literally that paradigm. And I said, who's the right person to walk us through this? And then I remembered this amazing blog I read recently written by, you know them, you know them very well, Kendra Lee. And I said, she's the one. Now, if you don't know Kendra Lee, She's with KLA Group, okay? So you can just go to klagroup.com. You can check them out. You can go read her blog. This is based on at Kendra with a K, K-E-N-D-R-A, Lee, L-E-E.com. Or you can get there through the klagroup.com site as well. And she is a new business development sales authority. She's an author. She's a speaker. She just hung up with me at the Outbound Conference that I loved and bragged about so much. She's a rock star. Kendra, welcome to the show, my friend. Well, thank you for having me, Daryl, and what a wonderful introduction. Well, I'm really coming to you for sympathy and compassion because I'm still licking the wounds of that experience, although net-net, it really was a dynamic experience. And what you learn is that no matter where you are in the organization, you're still going to make simple mistakes. But the beauty is because they're simple, that means you can actually overcome them and fix them next time moving forward. So it doesn't change. If you're sales reps, if you're thinking you're going to get better and stop making some of these dumb mistakes, no, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> but you have people like Kendra and I. You know, no matter how many years you've been selling, you're going to forget something. You're going to do something wrong. Something will happen. You're never going to be perfect, but that's okay. We keep learning from it. We remember. That's right. <laughs> so I want to drill down. I want to use your blog post. 
Okay. It's 12 questions to ask when reps are losing sales. So like my CEO was asking me and then my direct reports, a lot of hard questions. This is what sales managers will be asking reps. So reps, are you losing sales or are you missing your numbers or perhaps are you not achieving what you thought you would achieve or what you might have led the powers to be to achieve? If so, let's walk through from Ken. Kendra's going to be the sales manager here. I'm going to, I'll raise the points that she brings up and then Kendra's going to share why a, a manager will ask you this. And perhaps she might even give you a few tips and tricks about what you can do to be prepared for that. Does that sound like a good deal? Sounds like a great deal. Let's do it. All right. So 12 questions to ask when reps are losing sales. Your sales manager might ask you this. Do you uncover the real problem behind the business situation your prospect wants to address? Go. So as the sales manager, I want to understand how did you do your discovery process? If you lost was part of the reason that you didn't know everything they were looking for. And you might recognize that because there's a gap in the solution or suddenly they are asking for something completely new that you hadn't even known about. So stepping back when you have lost and saying, what's the reason that I lost? Really examining it and determining, gee, should I have done something different in the discovery? That would be my recommendation there. What else would you add, Daryl? Well, it was funny because Ken and I were talking before we went live and, and the conversation we shared, I was sharing, you know, that all these questions my reps can relate to. We've had the conversations and, and she, she asked you such a pointed question. She said, well, where do you think your reps need to continue to improve the most? And I said, well, I don't think my reps are unique when I give it this answer. So it's not a condemnation on my reps. But I said, if I look at where I see the mistakes being made continually, there's probably three areas. One is we don't do enough prospecting activity, in my opinion. We don't find or build out the buying committee enough to know who's influencing the sale and what their point of view is. Uh, and then three, we actually don't do discovery thoroughly or deeply enough, which is exactly what this is. Do you uncover mm -hmm. the real problem? In fact, this is two things. So Kendra said it's discovery, and I fully agree with her. At, at VanillaSoft, we put a lot of time and money in the last year to make sure we have a thorough discovery process and sales framework and methodology. So we were consistent. Um, so things couldn't progress in the sales pipeline unless we truly had uncovered the real problem. But where we're still caught off guard is when we don't, we don't do enough um, – assessment of the whole buying committee and who has influences in that final decision. Because sometimes you'll have your champion will say the problem is A, but it's only when you talk to three or four other people in that buying committee that you realize, in fact, A is just a symptom. B is the real problem. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and as, I, as I think about it, we train consultative selling. And one of the most important things about consultative selling is asking the questions and then listening. And there are tiers of questions. You know, all reps know I've got to ask the qualification questions and I have to get to, well, what is the need? But they, you aren't necessarily going deep enough. We're getting the surface problem, that symptom that's going on, but we're not getting enough information to know 
well, is that symptom really worth spending money on? Because sometimes you lose because they've decided, I don't even need to do this. I get to the end and it's like, yeah, it's not really worth spending that much money on. So we have to question deeply enough to understand what's the impact of that problem that they're experiencing. What are the alternatives to solving it? Maybe they don't have to purchase. Maybe they can do it internally. Think, you know, think back on all the different opportunities that you've lost. Did you lose them to a competitor or did you lose them to no decision? Because the no decision points to we didn't get the right information during discovery because we didn't qualify well enough to know, do they really need this? So, so ironically, your second question that a sales manager might ask you, a sales rep, if you're losing deals was when a prospect answers a question, do you seize the opportunity to drill down and learn even more? Mark Hunter likes to say, um, mm -hmm. If you don't ask why three times on every single discovery point, then you've mm -hmm. not drilled down enough. And that's exactly what you were just saying, Kendra. Exactly. Now, your third question ties back to the point I was raising around the buying committee. So I love this. And I find most reps are afraid of building out the buying committee because they would rather just ride the sponsor. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to get a no. They, they, have, they have happy ears and they don't want to be you know, disappointed. So the third question a sales manager might ask you if you're losing deals is, do you settle for working with the office manager rather than pressing to speak with the decision maker. Now the office manager may be part of that buying committee, but the decision maker is also part of the buying committee and they have a lot more influence. So this, I love this point. Do you see this happen a lot? And if so, what advice do you give to reps? I do see it happen a lot. And sometimes it's a manager level and we're thinking, oh, that manager level is going to be able to purchase. They've got buying authority when in fact they don't. So often we get the happy ears and we want to go with the person that's saying the things that sound good. And we want to give the proposal to the person that's saying the things that sound good. But then we lose. So stepping back and when you're in that discovery phase, as well as when you're presenting your proposal, asking who else is involved in the decision, who else will need to see the proposal, who else will want to understand what I'm recommending? Who else will be using it? So questions all related to your service or your solution so that you now know, oh, I better go talk to whoever the executive is over the users because maybe they have some influence. Or I need to go talk to whoever's going to approve this. Or I need to go talk to these three other people that are going to have an interest in the proposal. And then, of course, don't stop with that. <laughs> Ask why they would be interested in the proposal or how will they use whatever your solution is so that you know how to frame your conversation with them. But that's how you can start uncovering all the different people you should talk to. But so many reps are afraid of doing that, thinking they're going to offend their champion yep. by implying with that question that they don't have authority or that they're not the decision maker mm -hmm. and they want to avoid it. So how do you coach the rep to get over that? I think it's all in how you frame your question. You want to help whoever you are talking to be successful working with you. So rethink 
how it is that you're working with them. They're coaching you, but at the same time, you are coaching them. You're coaching them through their buying process, just like they are working with you through your selling process. So start by reframing how you're thinking about it. Then consider how you ask the question. You know, it's not who's going to make the decision. Who's going to sign the check? You know, who's going to sign the contract? It's asking things like, well, who else needs to be involved? Who else will care about this solution? You know, asking questions like that and even saying, you know, should we involve your manager or should we involve the business owner? Will they be interested in what we're doing? Now, the only thing I don't like about the should we involve is they could easily say no. And so when you ask the who else, that's an open ended question where now you've got them thinking. And if they say, well, there's nobody else, then have three other questions ready. Well, who's going to be using the solution? You know, who who else should we be talking to over in that area? I love uh, the way my good friend Luigi Prestonengi uh, describes, uses the question, because I love that you said it's how you phrase the question. And I've never heard it done better than at least what I've heard. Luigi asked the question, when you've made a purchase like this before in the past, mm-hmm. who was involved and how does the process work? Mm-hmm. Just help me understand that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not about you. It's about when this has happened previously, yep. how to go down. Exactly. So now it's a, it's a, it's a historical storytelling. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll okay. tell you if purchasing is going to be involved. Yep. You know, who, who are all the departments that you might have to get? Right, because part of that is you're saying, listen, I've heard you say you've got problem one, two, and three, and you believe that my solution can fix that. That's great. So we want to get that in there so you can be happy. But there's going to be, you know, we know how companies work. There's going to be some of the difference of, of opinion or somebody who needs to be heard. So let's just be proactive about this and get them on board with us so we can get you the solution you need. So who else is involved? You know, mm-hmm. whatever. So you, you're creating an advocate. It's hard, folks. I get it. But that, if you don't do it, then you're going to get uh, knocked out, you know, at the 90%. You're going to send a proposal and you're going to get shot down and never close it, which is the whole purpose mm-hmm. today. All right. Mm-hmm. If a pro- Number four, if a prospect puts an opportunity on hold, do you schedule a meeting to check back in so it won't drop? Boy, I am. I I can't tell you how important follow up is. Yeah, it's and huge. It, it's funny. I was just reading an old sales book. Gosh, I can't remember what one it was. But in my first book, I talk about what are the elements of a really successful salesperson. And one of them is follow up, follow up, follow up. And I was just reading this old sales book. I want to say it was a Zig Ziglar sales book. Um, And it had right in it, follow up. It is the number one thing that salespeople forget to do. Prospecting, you're in the middle of the sales process. You've delivered the proposal. They've said, we're not going to make a decision for a month. Call us back next year. All those places, salespeople drop the follow-up. I mean, if you've gone through all that trouble to give them the proposal, oh my gosh, follow-up. Follow-up until you get an answer one way or the other. I at least want to know that they've tabled it for a year or, okay, they went with a competitor or they've decided that they don't need to do it at all. I want to know because now I know 
well, when should I call them again? Because just because they didn't buy this doesn't mean they're not going to buy the next thing. <laughs> it's such an easy thing to do, yet so many reps don't do it or they get distracted. And what blows me away is that, you know, the reality is you put all this time and money and effort and, and, and hype and, and to get this deal this far. Fine. It didn't happen this cycle. It might happen next cycle. Are you not worth a few extra seconds to make sure you book and confirm your follow up? I and mean, that's this, like invest in yourself. All right. I love this next point. Number five, the sales manager is talking to the rep. Are you using your sales approach to distinguish yourself from the competition during the sales process? In other words, said another way, if you're losing to the competition frequently, then I would suggest you're probably not using your sales approach to distinguish yourself and make yourself stand out from the crowd. That's been my experience as a buyer. I typically want to buy from the rep whom I, who the rep they make a conscious effort to differentiate themselves, not just on features and functions, but in style, technique, professionalism. And they understand me as as the as, you know me as a persona. And they understand my industry as my as an ideal customer profile. That rep, I want to, I actually want to give them the business. The other mm-hmm. reps, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you are you selling to them? in a way that you are instilling trust, you are demonstrating your knowledge and expertise, and you're bringing new ideas to them. Are you following up frequently so they feel like this is a company that has a good process. I wanna work with them, they know what they're doing. So the approach that you use while you are selling to them will help influence if if there's no other difference and usually there is but if there is no other difference between what you're selling and what somebody else is selling then your sales approach could be the thing that makes them go with you and if you're instilling trust in them which means that you're listening you're asking all those discovery questions you are talking with all those people you are bringing recommendations and ideas to them you're differentiating, then they want to work with you. And so if you're losing, look back and see what kind of relationship had I built with this prospect? And what am I doing with other prospects? How do I improve that? And it's not always the golf course. (laughs) I love this sixth question. And we're not going to, we've already, we've already addressed it, but I want to tell you why I'd love it. Do you uncover hidden concerns that the prospect was holding back and address them? So really, this concept that we talked about already, the discovery session, right? You're doing the, the you're uncovering. But what's so powerful about the sixth point was we ask, do you uncover hidden concerns? A concern, even if it's not said, is an yep. objection. And if you're not anticipating the objection or addressing the objection or you're avoiding the objection, that objection doesn't go away. And it can still bite you in the behind when it comes to decision-making time because you didn't address it. Number seven, when making recommendations, do you, Mr. or Miss Sales Rep, connect them to the business needs and situation the prospect shared? So isn't that interesting? Because what did I just say? I understand when they distinguish, when I'm a buyer and a rep distinguishes himself because they understand me as a target persona, my role today is a CRO and previously as a CMO and the world I live in, they understand my ICP, the world that I, the industry I'm in, the competition I'm in, the pains I'm in. So 
when making recommendations? Do you connect them to the business needs and the situation that the prospect shared? And I will tell you what I see too often, Kendra, is the reps are too busy talking features and functions and not making it personal to me. Yes. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it's interesting. So many of these, the concerns that they had, um, finding the right decision makers or the right people to talk to, they all go back to discovery. A lot of the time when we're losing in closing, we missed something in discovery. We didn't get that right information. So it all goes back to discovery and those layers of questions that I talked about. You know, asking the why repeatedly, getting to what's the impact of this to their business and reminding them, because ironically, if your sales process is long, they forget why the heck what you were talking about two months ago was important to them or three months ago. You have to remind them, hey, you said you were having these productivity issues as a result of this and and we're going to be able to solve that. So we have to link it all back. You're, that, that's the whole, that, that is literally, folks, how you create value. How often have you, as your boss said to you, are, are, are you establishing value? Are you, so you're basically, early on in the sales process, you're convincing them why when it gets to pricing, they're going to pay the money you want because early on, you tied it back to the problem they had and you quantified it and qualified it. If you did that, you've established value. Therefore, life is good. Yet, too many people don't do that. You stop connecting it back to them and their processes. And the flip side of that is things change. So if you're not connecting it back, you may never learn that things change because even you connect it back and you say, well, remember you said this and that's why this matters. And they're going to say, well, wait a minute. I know I said this, but it's changed. And now it's that. And you're going to go, oh, new twist. So you need to know that. All right. Number eight, we've already covered this off. It's about follow-up, but it says, do you follow up while waiting for a decision? Again, Follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Kendra nailed that one. Number nine, when you receive a no, do you question to understand why? Do you treat it like an objection and attempt to address it? And I love reps who basically ignore my no and instead treat it like an objection. Eventually, I have to often say, no, no means no. But the reps who just say, okay, and they walk away, I'm like, you didn't even try. You know, Maybe I was just negotiating. Who the hell knows? You walked away. So, Kendra, what do you say about that? When I'm get a no, do you question to understand why? Do you treat it like an objection? I, we definitely want to understand why are they saying no for two purposes. One, you may be able to turn it around, especially if they haven't already signed a contract with a competitor. Let's figure it out. Let's go back to that discovery and what they said was important and remind them, hey, we're doing all that. Why would you not want to move forward? So we could turn them around. The other is we can find out, well, why are they saying no? And how do I use that going forward with other solutions or other opportunities that I have? Exactly. So it works on both sides. I might turn them around and if I can't, Well, then I want some good information. The third is I want to leave the door open. So they may, in that whole conversation with you, say, you know, this just isn't the right one, but I really, really appreciated all that you learned about us. I appreciated how how you brought the right recommendation. I think there could be another opportunity. And suddenly we may have lost this one, but now we have a whole new opportunity that we can work with them. 
You see, that's the silver lining. A lot of reps, they, they don't, they, they, it's, it's like gold. You're panning for gold. Okay, I lost the deal. We know that's going to happen. No one's going to be shocked by that. That's the nature of the game. But if you don't learn from that, you're going to make that mistake over and over and over again. But if you do learn from it, the next time you can preempt it early on in the sales cycle. So you eliminate that <gasps> objection. Exactly. That's and exactly we have all that information that we knew from this previous opportunity that we can bring into the new opportunity. Now we know there are other people involved. Now we know what the discovery might be. Lots more information that we can use. The number one thing I tell my reps over again when it comes to managing their pipeline is to be self-aware and to be critical. And this is a good example where you're you're self-aware is is you're learning why you lost. You're learning or you're learning why your pipeline isn't where maybe it's not a three X or more uh, of what it should be relative to your target. Why, why, why self-aware and then, you know, critical thinking and doing some analysis on what it is you're doing right and doing wrong. So this is a really good example here. I love number 10. You have to, while you're being self-aware to a degree, you're being, critical but don't be so critical you got to be like a duck in sales yes. you just kind of let some of this roll off your back we want to learn from it but we're not going to take it personally we're just going to move on which ironically is where mindset comes in and we've done mindset multiple times on past episodes mm-hmm. go listen to them because mindset is i would almost say overarching everything we're doing here absolutely so all right. Number 10, do you offer, proactively offer testimonials, references, case studies mm-hmm. to paint a picture of what it's like to work with you? And I will say most reps don't because they don't know the content that their own organization has, or they don't think it really jives with them. They don't think it's a good fit. What they're not understanding is the content is simply a case to prove your street cred. Even if they never open it, you're constantly reminding them how credible you are. Are. And it also gives you an excuse to call back and say, so did you read that case study? Any questions? And that's always goodness too. Most people, most reps I find suck at this one about offering great content. You know, sometimes they're uncomfortable using case studies that they don't know anything about yep. because they're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if I get asked questions about this? I don't even know this company. I don't even know the rep who sold it. And that's where you can look at your own base of clients that you've worked with and you can talk about them as examples even if you don't have a written case study about it being able to say hey i was working with john and this was the problem that he had it's very similar to what you did here's how we worked with him and this is what he saw as a result of it you don't have to have a beautiful brochure that you're sending someone share from your own experience number 11 this one is so subtle but it's so powerful. If your sales manager asks you this question, think before you answer. Do you confirm that the prospect agrees with the value you presented? Do you confirm it? Mm-hmm. You're nodding your head. Go for it. When you are presenting the proposal and you are linking back to why the different elements of it are important. And I'm not talking features and functions. It's why are you recommending this particular solution? What was going on in their business that made you think this is what they need? As you're presenting that, stopping and confirming that they agree. So you're explaining 
this is why I'm making the recommendation. You shared this information. This is what led me to think that it would be good for you. Do you agree? And oftentimes, just asking that question, they're not just going to say yes or no. They're going to go, yes, because. And then go a step further and ask, what's missing? Or what what did I not include? What did I not think about? Because there it goes back to the concerns that we talked about. It's where you pull out either you've left something out of the solution or they go, I don't think you've missed anything. And if you've been doing a really good job, that's what you're going to hear. But now in their mind, it's solidifying, oh my gosh, this salesperson presented exactly what we need. And, and that's the big point positive. that I would I would say it differently, but say in the same way. I would say they're committing. They're emotionally committing. They're yes. logically committing. When they say yes, mm-hmm. exactly your point, Kendra, they are, oh, my gosh, this person gets it. Oh, my gosh, they've got it. Oh, my God, this is it. Like, I'm committed. I'm invested in you. Yes. Number 12. We started off with talking about the whole sales qualification process. It's tied to discovery. It's tied to a repeatable process. You just don't, don't make these mistakes. And we're going to end there. Do you qualify the prospect? Maybe you use Bant. Maybe you use Spin. Maybe you use MedPick. Whatever you use, do you qualify the prospect throughout, emphasis, underline, bold, throughout the sales process? <laughs> and that's part of the confirmation. All the way through the sales process, you're checking in. What's changed? Is this still what's important to you? Is this still the challenge? Are these still the impacts that you're experiencing? And as you're going through, as you present anything new, reconfirming, revalidating that this is important to them, helps you to know okay, I'm not going to get all the way to presenting a proposal and have them say, oh, oops, we changed our mind. (laughs) So all the way through, you're qualifying from your very first phone call when you're prospecting all the way through till they finally say yes. You have to have qualification questions throughout your sales process. And they're different at each stage of the process. All right. Those are, tw- those are 12 reasons reps may be losing that your sales manager is going to lose you. So if you're not happy with your performances, you need to look at those, those questions very specifically. You can go to KendraLee.com. That's the blog. That's where this came from specifically. And I love the one point Kendra makes after this, but how do you fix it? And she makes a point of saying where you may have gotten away with sloppy selling and shortcuts before, those same practices now cause you to lose sales that you previously would have won. You have to follow the process. You can't skip steps. You can't rush. There are no shortcuts to success. We want to make shortcuts. I get it. I see this all the time, but this is the truth. Stop it. Don't do it. With that said, we're way over time. That's okay. There's two things that you need to do with Kendra because she's really, really smart. Kendra, talk to me about your weekly sales tip. What is it? How do I get it? I love our weekly sales tip. So in 65 words or less, we give a actionable tip that as a salesperson, you can use every single week, something to think about, something to practice that you may not be doing. So that's our weekly sales tip. You can sign up on our website. I encourage you to do that. And then if you look for 
bigger strategies, I'm all about actionable. Everything that I talk about, everything that I write, all that we do at KLA is about being able to take an action as a result of it. You're not going to find a lot of esoteric things here. (laughs) And every month we do a Coffee with Kendra webinar and we have a topic. Often it's related to prospecting or lead generation that will give you those actionable strategies and tips, techniques that you can do. And if you are receiving our weekly tip, you will automatically get invited to those. All right. So number one is the weekly sales tip. Number two is the monthly coffee with Kendra webinars. That is dynamite. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is your first time meeting Kendra, then you now know that Kendra is a prospect attraction authority. She's a sales expert. I mentioned she's a speaker. I mentioned she's an author. She's also a business owner who knows how to shorten time to revenue. You need to invest in yourself by following her. Take her up on her offer. You check her out at klagroup.com or kendralee.com. Either way, it's all good. Kendra, thank you for your time. Everybody, follow her on LinkedIn. Do it now. In the meantime, we are out of time, so out of time. But that's okay because we're investing in you so that you stop losing sales with 12 easy questions that you better be able to answer before your sales manager asks you. My name is Daryl Prale, and this, my friends, is another episode of... Inside, Inside Sales. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Inside, Inside Sales podcast with your host, Daryl Prale. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, we would greatly appreciate you taking a moment to leave us a review on the platform you're listening to the show from today. Also, please feel free to share this program with your friends and colleagues. Thank you. Daryl will be back again next week.